Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. Van Gordon sort of says to me, would you consider writing for Brent Musburg? I go, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm a sports writer at the New York Times at the moment. I don't know that I want to do this. And I looked at him and I said, I don't know anything about television. And he said to me, the only thing you have to know is when you turn it to the right, it gets louder. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> when you turn it to the right, it gets louder. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. So let me apologize for the quality of my voice. It is raspy. It is hoarse. It, my throat does not hurt. I have no other symptoms. This has just happened to my voice. I don't know how to change it. I got about eight or ten texts last night from friends. Hot water, lemon? Said is something wrong. Well, I haven't had anything like that. They said is something wrong. Your voice sounds terrible. Get off the air. Your voice sounds terrible. How's your smell? I have a sense of smell. Just making sure. No, I don't. Ha well, I've had, you know, I'm good. I think I'm good. So I apologize in advance. And I also understand that doing this show is the worst thing I can do for my voice. Continuing to talk is the worst thing I can do. I but it's what I do. Email. Yeah, it's what I do. Um, and then today's Friday. So I can spend the weekend not talking at all. I went out this morning. It's been, I think I've described this to people who don't live in the uh, greater metropolitan Washington, D.C. area. It's been a miserable winter here. It hasn't had 40 inches of snow or anything like that. It's had ice. It's just been cold. It's been raw. There were a couple of very nice days this week, but by and large on the weekends, the weather has been the worst it has been all week. The Saturdays and Sundays, I haven't played golf in two months, and almost every year in January and February, there are a lot of days when you can go out and play. And we haven't- The I haven't, ground has felt saturated now for two months. Yeah, I haven't had any of that. So it's been lousy. Um, and as a result of it being lousy, I sort of lost track of where we are in the year. We are in the first week in March. I was so surprised yesterday when, and again, like this morning, it's in the twenties here. This is not oppressive, you know, I mean, to people who are in upstate New York or Minnesota or North Dakota, that feels like a warm spell. I'm not, I'm trying, not trying to make it that we are living in a terrible time. What I'm trying to say is that it has been a cold and raw and wet and unattractive winter. And yesterday I went out and I was walking the dog at about 6.15 and I saw daffodils. And it was stunning to me because it was the last thing I expected. In my mind, we were still in the middle of winter. This morning I went out and again, it is below freezing, significantly below freezing. But this morning I went out and I saw crocuses. I don't know if they're crocuses or croci. I don't know what the correct pronunciation is or the correct word is, but I saw them. I saw some yellow ones and I was, I was surprised and I was heartened. Have you seen these as well? I have and it's, and it's odd because down by us, we still haven't had the end of winter helleboras start blooming for us. That's gonna happen I think this week. So it seems like if you look out the window right now, it does not look like it's in the 20s. You got a beautiful bright sky. Yeah, but it's cold. And this, and this is that two week stretch before you get to the, the change in the clocks, where when you get out before 7 a.m., it's so nice to see that sun early in the morning. And then you get to that end of March dark period again before it catches up. But yeah. it, it's just the promises what's around the corner. So I wanted to describe that and not discuss it on any level. The Wizards, who were headed for 9 and 20 or 14 and 20, I just say this briefly, they beat the Clippers last night. Um, Russell Westbrook, the addition of him and the subtraction of John Wall is not yet reflected in the record, 
but the Wizards have gotten a lot better. They started out much worse than this, and they've gotten a lot better. I just mentioned that. And now let me get to the highlight of the Open, which is the chair. Yesterday... May I, may I read a text message that I received at 8 p.m.? Yes, oh, please. Before you start? Hi. <laughs> would you... Hi. Let me just... I got to practice. Hi. Would you give me a call after you get the kids to bed about a chair that was sent to the house today? Did I capture that? Yeah. Yeah. I had I had asked Bonnie. I, I, I wrote, Bonnie, did you send a chair here? I said to Eric and Matt, did you send a chair here? <clears throat> I thought maybe Tom Howard, the director was sick of looking at the chair that I use in the attic and sent a new chair. I could not figure it out. So then Tracy and I got to talking, and Tracy said, you need to understand, people send you free stuff all the time because they want you to talk about it. Instead of paying for a, an ad, you talk about their product, which I've done with Woodford Reserve and Angel's move. Envy and, and stuff like that. And, and But I need to tell you, the chair was delivered. I didn't even know when it was delivered. I walked outside yesterday at about three o'clock and I saw this giant box with with a chair inside. X chair is I think the brand name Correct. X chair. X chair. So it it's so heavy it weighs over a hundred pounds, the box. And I couldn't pick it up. I just started rolling it over in the way that people roll over tires for football workouts. That's what I was doing. I rolled over the box into the house. Tracy came over and said, what's that? And I said, it appears to be a chair. Excuse me. <coughs> it appears to be a chair. And she then told me, you just can't keep the chair. You can't keep doing this. You can't keep taking these things because people will just continually send you stuff and you will then talk about it, which serves their interest. So I said, okay. So Tracy, because she's really good at this, Tracy went out and she traced the chair to a particular company and got a name of someone at a particular company. Particular company, it says it on the side of the box. Yes, but she got the name Jen Winkowski. Jen Winkowski, and she said, I don't have a phone number, but I have an email, you should email her. And so I emailed her. This is exactly what I emailed. Hi, my name is Tony Kornheiser. Earlier today, a chair was delivered to my house in DC. We were able to trace this to you. I can't accept this chair, nor do I have any room for it, thank you but please pick the chair up and take it away. It is in the box on my porch. I assume it is a gift, but I simply can't accept it. Thank you for your attention, Tony Kornheiser. Now, this gives you great pleasure, Michael, because you, you didn't like the tone. I no, it's, it's the middle. I can't ex if this is a gift, I can't accept this chair. I simply do not have room for this chair. It is on the porch. Yeah, it's on the it porch in a box. It picked up by this evening. So I don't, well, no, I didn't say by this evening, but I don't know what to it do with it. It was implied. Okay, well, all right. So then I got an email back quickly, actually, and said, Hi, Tony. Thanks for reaching out. We sent you our chair because we're doing advertising on your podcast in the coming week, and this was part of the deal we established with your team. Surprise. <laughs> you now get a comfy and luxurious chair to work in. Jen, have a great evening. So I, I get the chair, and I said to Michael, did you know about this? And you said... Surprise. <laughs> yes. So I didn't, of course, I didn't know about it. So I, what bothered me is that you reached out. To, I just think this became your afternoon activity was I'm going to uncover who sent this chair because the subtext was you were angered by the chair and you wanted to punish whoever sent chair, said chair to the house. I don't think angered is the right word. I was, I, 
it was overwhelmed ha- by the size. It's so it's big. Hair. It's so big. I don't. I couldn't lift it. I didn't know what to do so with it. Normally, what happens is I can't. I mean, it's they want me to use it for the podcast, but I sit around Uncle Benny's table. It's a dining room table. I I I don't think I can use that. No, chair. Th- this was designed to be used for. You are still of an age where you have a computer room, and I, I figured a nice. I've never comfortable been in chair, it. considering how much time you spend in the house. No. You can use that at the. In, I've never in the actually computer. been in that computer room except to get my clothes out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't use the computer. So this ever. this was supposed to be Take a surprise. Uh, normally, normally we get a lot of the the items for you sent to our house, and then we bring them over. But yeah. considering that this was a chair, chair, I wanted it to go straight to you. So I've got it. It's on the porch. Um, I just don't know why I you spent didn't the call night me over first. the porch. Hey, there's a chair. I, I I didn't associate it with you. I didn't. A random product gets sent to the house that may or may not be related to the show. The first person he called when he got the Keen Boots. Have you heard of Keen Boots? Well, I called you. Well, those were those were those manageable. Were yeah. yeah, they were. I could put them on my feet. You. That made me very happy. Like the liquor makes me very yes. happy. Yeah, you never let me know but, about the liquor either. But there's a you know there's a, sort of a, a weight and size and quality limit where you just say, I don't know if I can take this. This is this is a little bit too good. I don't know if I could take this. Like well, honestly, if somebody delivered. Um, a sports car to my house, I would say, no, I can't. I can't do that. I, can I drive it for a little bit? Yeah. But no, I can't do that. <laughs> I hesitate I to bring that. this up. Michael, did Why? you tell him about the donkey company that we're going to do business no. with? Oh, yes. No. Should so, be some donkeys coming your way. Do you not want them? So, you know, no. I, so Take I, those to Tori's house. Maybe. <laughs> so you you... You had a little problem with the tone of the note. I'm, no, no, I just I'm surprised that you immediately tried to send that out without reaching out to other people who might be involved. It sounds, it sounds very reasonable that you would be confused, but it yeah. also seems that you'd go, "Oh, this sounds like something that we'd actually read for on the show." Michael, what do you think of this? I well, go, I didn't, but I yeah, didn't I know that, that. It, it, it actually it, arrived in black. It just said, "It's just a box." I didn't. I was afraid to open the box. I felt if I opened the box, I was making a commitment to something that I didn't really want to make. But I do understand, based on how you've been sent things to this house, things that you don't necessarily want, want, where you have no use for them, that you would just say, I'm not here just trying to be an influencer on Instagram, trying to take photos doing this. Well, considering I've never been on Instagram or don't know how to take a photo, yeah. I mean, if people... Yeah. So anyway, so I called Tracy last night and told her about it, and she laughed, of course. <laughs> um, so now we have the chair, and at some point today... I'll bring it in. Yeah. I'll roll it over end over end. We'll figure out how to do this. All right. Uh, that's good. I'll take a break if nobody minds. Is it okay to take a break? Of course it is. my voice hurts. I'll take a break, and when we come back, Ann Hornaday will join us. And what we'll talk about was the... Um, Golden Globes, which I, I didn't get through hardly at all. I mean, maybe 10, 12 minutes, and I bagged it. And it's, as it turns out, the ratings were horrifically low, like once in a 100-year flood low, apparently. <laughs> so we'll talk to Ann about that when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the FitBot ad, and this is a new ad, right, Nigel? This is a new ad. Oh, yeah, this new is this is this includes 25% off the membership but doesn't tell you that that deal ran out on the 28th of February. So this is the new ad. And when we do these ads, even when my voice is good, I turn this over to Nigel cuz Nigel has Fitbot and can describe for those of you out there who want who are curious about it what it is. 
Yeah, FitBod is is a the perfect app if you're looking to work out. And and let's be honest, in the pandemic, most of us have probably put on a few pounds. I know Tony, you've actually not me lose weight. Yes, Too but much. a lot of us, yeah, you know. And you're like, well, I, I don't feel comfortable going to the gym. How can I work out on my own? Having the FitBod app on your phone, it's like having a, a trainer right there on your phone with you. It gives you all the sorts of exercises you're looking to do, depending on what type of body type you have and what you're looking to achieve with all this. It fat gives- body, <laughs> fat body, <laughs> yes. flabby, hideous fat body. Um, I have one of those as well. That's why I need FitBod um, because even if you don't have weights, it'll give you exercise to do without weights and it gives you video tutorials of how to do each exercise. So you're not just sort of lost saying, I don't know what to do. And even when you go back into the gym, you can use that to and sort of increase your workouts and the effectiveness of it. So it really is just a brilliant deal for you. So FitBot understands that the path to achieving your best looks different for everyone. FitBot creates a program based on your unique body, whether it's fat or thin just hideously old your body your experience and your environment their algorithm uses data and analytics to help you build on your last workout to maximize your results whether you're exercising three days a week or twice a day show off every workout is scientifically proven to be better than the last if you don't have equipment don't worry about it fitbot has body weight routines for those looking to get fit at home or on the go it's easy to use. It has HD video tutorials, as Nigel talked about, to make learning new exercises a breeze. It integrates with other fitness and health apps like Apple Health, Fitbit, and Strava or Strava. Personalized training can be tough on your budget. FitBot's only $9.99 a month or $59.99 a year. And if you sign up now, now, even in March, you will get the 25% off your membership. Build the momentum to carry your fitness journey through the rest of the year with FitBot. Get 25% off a membership when you sign up now at FitBot, F-I-T-B-O-D, dot me slash Tony. That's 25% off your membership at FitBot, dot me slash Tony. And as we implore you all the time, for your own health and safety, use the code, people. (laughs) This is the Michelob Ultra Read. In sports, if you think joy only happens after you win, think again. Look at the world's most successful athletes. They don't spend all their days grinding away. They take the time to enjoy themselves, like having a Michelob Ultra with friends, because they know that happiness is the key to winning and that joy is the whole game, not just the end game. In my life as a sports writer and somebody on television, I can think of two teams that exemplified this more than others. And I don't want you to get the wrong impression because to be a professional athlete means you have to work very, very hard at it. You're in an extraordinarily narrow slice of accomplishment when you reach the pros. But having fun is important as well. I would give you two. I would give you the 2019 Nats, who every time they hit a home run, danced in the dugout. And when they danced in the dugout, the camera stayed on them. And it made all of us who rooted for the team very happy. And there was a sidebar to that. If Adam Eaton or Howie Kendrick were involved in a play that resulted in a run, they sat next to each other on the bench and they did a power shift as if they were driving a car. And that, too, gave them great joy and gave us as viewers great joy. The obvious other example is the 85 Bears, maybe the greatest single-season team in the NFL when they put together the Super Bowl shuffle. And everyone went, oh, my God, you can't do that. That's going to jinx you. you got to keep your nose to the grindstone. But no, they were the best team ever. They went through the playoffs something like 91 to 10. And even Wilbon knows how good they were, and I don't get angry when he says it. So that is the great joy that you can take from sports. Michelob Ultra, 95 calories, 2.6 grams of carbs. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. 
You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. I have to read this. This is from Scott. It's either Labby or, or Lab Labby L A B B E. It says Scott Labby here. Four years ago, my friend Ross Weber recommended I share some of my music with you from an endeavor I've been working on called the Halo Project. You were kind enough to play a couple of my tunes, and I received very positive feedback. And I add parenthetically, that's why we do it. We we want independent musicians to have a place to have their music played and heard. At the time, I was living in Hong Kong, and I was writing and creating this music with musicians all over the world, long distance through the miracles of technology. The project has been the crowning achievement of my music career. I'm now back in the United States, and lo and behold, guess where I'm working now? That's right, your new favorite, family-owned, values-based, consciously created shoe company, and soon to be on the feet of Bootsy and the Hammer, Keen. <laughs> That's right, that Keen. Anyway. He says, um, I've been a singer-songwriter for years. Music and shoes are my passion. That is so wild. I mean, if you said to me, what do you care about most? I wouldn't imagine anybody would say music and shoes. I just wouldn't. I have spent literally my entire business life in the footwear business. I joined Ross's previous company even though he, even before he did over three decades ago. He was my direct report, but more importantly, we stayed friends through the years. When an opportunity became available at Keen that I thought would be appropriate for him, I asked him to continue consider joining us and he did so this it's really nice the song the first song there's going to be two today the first is a portuguese word and it is pronounced sadas heis i don't know i don't know it describes a yearning for happiness that has passed so this is scott who's the director of product and design the senior director at keen product and design i just wonder if anybody in my life has also written down what are your passions music and shoes oh yeah or shoes and music shoes and music no no not music and shoes shoes and music fantastic anyway all of this is prelude to playing in ann hornaday and ann is going to talk about a movie or two but we're going to first talk about the golden gloves because i'm going to assume that even though even though your job is movie reviews and not television reviews i'm going to assume that an award show from movies and television, but movies is something you make an appointment to watch. Did you watch the Golden Globes? How long did you keep it on? And what did you think of it? I did watch the Golden Globes. Um, I didn't watch the whole thing because I just hit a wall and I had to go to bed because like you, I'm 125 years old. So, right. um, but but you know, I have to say, people are kind of ragging on it. I think, and yeah, I will. Uh, yeah, okay. Go ahead. Because I just feel like with this this year being what it is, and being, I don't know. I felt like they, I thought Amy Poehler and Tina Fey were really funny, and I kind of liked having people zoom in from their houses and stuff. I don't know. I thought it was kind of cute. The the parts I saw, you know. I mean, in terms of like. Who won what? We can argue about who got the right one and who got the wrong one. But I don't know. Like the, I, I, I think I'm um, giving people, I'm cutting people like tons of slack this year because it's just been such an awful year. So, so I turned it off early. I thought the production was terrible. As somebody who's been working from my house with a robot camera, um, our stuff went much smoother than their stuff. Uh, I, I don't know how funny what the the funny was destroyed for me with the shots the point of view shots from the back where you looked out on just single people at single tables 
wearing masks. And I thought, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Why are you taking that shot? Um, I, the ratings are so terrible. Are you familiar with the ratings? Yeah, they really tank. But I think just in defense what? of that shot, those were all, you know, they had invited those essential workers. To, I get it. It's very I nice. So I think it was to, uh, to honor them, you know, and to just acknowledge the reality. I don't know. It's such a weird thing. Do you, do you, do you try to act like, I don't know, I don't, it's just aesthetically, do you lean into the weirdness or do you try to make it as seamless as possible or do you just say, yeah, we have glitches like you guys do at home when, when you know, Daniel Kaluuya forgets to unmute. I don't know. I wasn't, I was a little bit more forgiving of stuff like that, just in terms of That's... just acknowledging the reality of the, but yeah, no, the ratings were, the ratings were down, well, yeah. 64%. Yeah. They went from they went from eighteen point four million to six point nine million. It got a one five share in the eighteen to forty nine bracket, which is where people that buy things actually buy things. I'm in the I'm in the seventy five to dead, you know, and, and we don't buy anything anymore except the pens. But the the people that buy things, so so there was a general turning away from it. Clearly, a general turning away from it, which I think was shocking. Yeah. Well, it'll be. You know, I wonder, the, the next question is, what are the Oscars? The Oscars, there, what, is it, you know, what does it mean? Well, they're learning. I mean, I think that with luck, they're fluid and fluent enough, nimble enough to be able to kind of learn from that. Um, I'm interested, you know, like, I think regardless of whether you like a particular show or not, or you like particular winners or not, what these are all about is raising awareness for these, especially for the films. The series have... have um, the series have done pretty pretty well over the last year, but everybody's concerned about the movie business. Um, and so the question is, you know, when Andra Day wins for United States versus Billie Holiday, does that does that translate into increased viewership for that movie? Um, now the streamers will never tell us because they're very tight fisted with those numbers, but. It really just comes down to that, you know. It's like, will even with those um, depressed viewership numbers, will people will this at least raise some awareness for these movies that are struggling? You know, things like Nomadland, Minari, Billie Holiday. The, you know, these are not big blockbuster movies, so that's what these award shows are designed to kind of lift up. So the difference between you and I in this, in particular, is this is your business. If this was a sports show. I would be much more invested in it than than a regular award show. For me, um, movies have stars. They have big stars. I got to meet in my life every once in a while, you get to meet a big star. And most of the time you go, wow, I mean, these are stars. You understand the quality that they have. When they take pictures of people in movies sitting in their houses on their couches, just sort of wearing crummy clothes, they become, Anne, smaller than life for me. I don't want that. I don't want smaller than life. I know huh? it started, but don't you think that that started a long time ago? That started with the the you know the end of the studio system. It started with social me, you know then social media, the whole kind of economy of stardom, and the currency and the and audience expectations about what a star looks like and how a star behaves is completely. I don't think that mystique. I mean, I wonder if that's even possible anymore. And and that is that's beyond like you know the Golden Globes. Um, 
they are expected to be so much more accessible, you know, and so much more like you and me and, um, you know, the paparazzi and just the entertainment press and Twitter and Instagram. I don't know. I feel like that's been, this might have been one more brick in that wall, but that was started a long time ago. I'm going to disagree on just on this level. I'm going back about 20 years, but I had occasion once there was a, a television show called K Street, I think it was a six part mm-hmm. television show on HBO and George Clooney was in it and there was a reception at the Palm one night and I was standing with Tommy Giacomo at the Palm when George Clooney walked in and there were hundreds of people there and very, very crowded, a couple of hundred, 300 people maybe and they were mostly congressmen and lobbyists and denizens of the Washington DC political establishment. And George Clooney walked in and walked right past me. And everybody seemed to have a camera. And, and this is before cell phone cameras. These were like Instamatic cameras. Mm. And all of a sudden, it was like a million fireflies taking pictures of George Clooney. And as he walked by me, I can tell you, I went, wow, this is a great looking guy. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I, had, I was lucky enough once to be at somebody's house uh, with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And I'm bigger, taller than Matt Damon, though not nearly as big as Ben Affleck. And I thought, I get it. Mm-hmm. I understand why they're stars. I get this. So I, maybe I am still, in my old age, more starstruck than you, but I don't want them smaller than life. I, I want them to glow. You know, I want them to glow. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, because you and I are the same. I mean, we have that same expectation. That's true. And um, But I just, well, you, you've given me fodder for, a, for a, a really good column, you know, because it's oh. like, I think you and I have that expectation. I don't know if our, yeah. will your little little grandson have that expectation? No, I don't know. Well, no, we, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's, we just we got to get him potty trained before we worry about these existential things. I think. Oh, Clooney, Clooney's good at that by now. So anyway, anyway, so let me get to one other thing. And I don't mean to knock it. I just, I didn't like the show of it, you know. And and of yeah, course, I, I was you. not I was not invested in any of the movies because I don't know anything about any of these movies because it's such a weird year. Yeah. But Nomadland, well, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what that is. What is it? really wonderful it was my favorite movie of last year um or this year i don't even know what year what what is last year um but it's a book it's based on a nonfiction book about this new economic sector of mostly older middle-aged and older people who have taken to the road they live out of their campers and their vans and they they follow seasonal work a lot of it is you know like an amazon warehouses or farms or recreational areas and it's a form of um self sustaining you know kind of low wage work that allows them to kind of live and in some cases it's a sad story because they're forced to live that way in some cases it's the way they like to live because it's free and they get to see the country and they make friends along the way and it's they're they're kind of you know, vagabonds at heart. So <clears throat> Francis McDormand plays a fictional character in this movie that also features real life nomads. But she is just like, to your point about stars, it's like, oh, she's great. How does somebody hold, hold a screen that way? I mean, she can command screen space like no other and she doesn't have a lick of makeup on she doesn't look like you're like you're talking that you know 
there's a stardom that comes from that glamour, right? That sleek kind of perfection. Yes, sure. Then there's that stardom that's just pure animal charisma. And it doesn't matter what you look like or what you're doing or what you're dressed in. Every eye is on you, and that's the kind of performance she gives in this movie. It's absolutely stunning, and it's a beautifully directed movie, too. Just it's just, it's like a it's like a contemporary American Western with the the scenery and the movement and the dreams um, and then there she is just holding it all together it's it's a beautiful piece of cinema so I'm sure that I've seen other movies with Frances McDormand beyond the ones I'm going to name now Fargo where she's just right? unbelievably good she basically steals almost famous. She plays the mm-hmm. mom. She's just every Agreed. time she's on, Agreed. you just say she's perfect. Agreed. And and in the Billboards movie, I, she's mesmerizing. Yeah. Every word she says seems the exact appropriate word for her. And she, there's no makeup. There's nothing. She's angry. And she holds that anger so well. She is such a great actress, right? Yeah. She's, yep. We're agreed on that. She's Totally. Like, totally. who's better than I, her? You know, come on. No, I know. And it's just, um, you know, I remember once, like, there was a Jodie, and it's funny, Jodie Foster won the other night, and she's another one where... She's wonderful. You just look, they can't, they don't do anything. They're not, quote-unquote, doing anything. But there's something about the relationship they have with the camera that allows them... It's really magical. It's, I'm reading that new Mike Nichols biography um, by Mark Harris, which I completely recommend to anybody who's a movie fan. And it's the same thing that happened with Dustin Hoffman. You know, everybody thought he was crazy for casting Dustin Hoffman in The Graduate. And even he thought he might have been crazy. You know, when they were actually filming, things weren't particularly going well. And Dustin was really, really nervous. I can call him Dustin because I interviewed him once. And then he looks at the rushes, he looks at the dailies, and he sees what he couldn't see in real life. It's something that happens between that camera and that actor. Something, a third thing is created, and a third persona. And, and that's what we're seeing there, and it's, it's weird, and you can't account for it, and you can't quantify it. And I don't think an actor can do it on purpose, frankly. I mean, it's just a... It's just a it's a communication that they have and a transparency that they have um, that the camera picks up on and that we are riveted by. And I just think it's endlessly fascinating. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to mention one other thing because I saw this advertised yesterday on television, Coming to America 2. Yes. You can't make this movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not saying that it won't be hysterically funny. And maybe in the privacy of your own home, you can enjoy this kind of hysterically funny humor. But I, they made they made that they not made only, Coming to America too. Yeah, you know how you make it. You just remake Coming to America, basically. I mean, it's almost beat for beat the exact same movie. And now, usually, you know, if that I kind were, of humor, no one is allowed to laugh at that anymore. I, it really depends. You know, this is where it gets into nuances of of who's telling it and how are they, you know, in what spirit. And I think this Kenya Barris, uh, the mastermind behind Blackish, is the, is a co-writer on this one. Um, so I do think that it, I, I hear what you're saying, but there's kind of an inside-outside thing going on that I, it's completely made for the fans. I mean, this is just a shameless exercise in Good. fan service. Good. Which, exactly, right? Like, Good. Right? <laughs> 
think it, look, it, I'm never going to defend it as great art, but it completely no. accomplishes what it sets out to do. Um, all the, like most of the old people are back. Some really delightful new people are it, here, you know, came in for this one, especially a lot of really talented young people. And for my money, like my, what I was dazzled by was that, you know, one of the things that was kind of ouchy for me in the first one was the costumes because they, they kind of, they got into that kind of feathers and beads cliche, you know, and, and offensive mm-hmm. stereotype. Mm-hmm. And here, the great, great, great Ruth Carter, who did the costumes for Black Panther, um, did the costumes for this one. And man, she just, she gets into that playfulness of the first one but with such beauty and just magnificent materials and vision and fun. And I just had a blast watching, watching that, you know, it's just visually a lot, a lot more fun than the first one, but yeah. So if you like, the, I really do think if you like that first one, you're going to, and especially for um, families, you know, who are introducing maybe their kids to this story for the first time, it's, it's very sweet. It's PG 13. So, uh, Eddie Murphy, God, Eddie Murphy became Elvis. You know, Elvis at one point oh was famous God. for singing, and then he be, just became famous for being in movies. Eddie Murphy was the funniest guy in the world. And I know. Now, now but, he makes movies. I know, but what's so weird, though, and it was weird about the first one, and it's true here, he's not that funny in these movies. You know, he's not the... He's almost mm. a straight man, uh, un, 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 unless he's playing those other characters, you know? Um, he and Arsenio Hall have a bunch of different characters they play, and those are those are kind of funny bits. But when you think about it, like he's not doing his comic genius in this. He's just he's a character, and he's genial and likable, and he's got you know that wonderful smile. But it's not his best work as a comedian, you know. Um, but he created something that has just meant so much to so many people through the years, and um, and right, you know, honestly, like for right now where we are. And we just what we need in our lives. Like I think this is going to do the trick for a lot of people. It's just Good. it's just fun, and and there's nothing Good. wrong with that. Thank you so much. We'll talk well, to you soon. You. Thank you, Anne. Anne Hornaday, boys and girls. Uh, we will take a break. We'll come back. Jeannie and Chris will be with us. We'll do a news segment. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Bloomscape ad. After being stuck indoors all winter, I think we're all ready to say good riddance. But as excited as I am to get outside if it turns warm, I haven't been looking forward to getting the plants in shape. And I'm looking forward to seeing that spring new growth. Yeah. So I've been bad to my plants in the sense that I water them, but I never change the soil. I don't care for them well. I have them for 30 and 40 and 50 years. And then they look at me each day and they go, we're tired of you and we're tired of this pot. And Michael gets involved in this. You, you've been involved with Bloomscape. I'm still waiting for the yes. Yeah, so we, we have me. the Dracaena Song of India arriving to your house. And again, does it this sing? Is, is it a singing plant? Oh, that'd the song be really of India? well. Yeah. Once we get that new growth, I think it might be singing for you. But uh, what's so great about Bloomscape? They deliver healthy plants right to your door, and they have this grow how team, which will help you uh, help them thrive. So if you want questions, if you have questions about watering, which is one of the biggest issues with with plant care, which is overwatering or or how what soil mixture you should have, what kind of light you need. You don't need to be sitting there with a light meter. You can ask them and they will give you that know-how right away. I, I grew up um, thinking that we didn't have plants in our house as many as I would have liked. Maybe we had one or two. I don't even remember. But I used to remember going to people's houses and seeing people had a lot of plants and thinking, wow, that's great. 
plants are great. I like Back looking then, at the them. rubber. The rubber tree was the big yeah. plant, right? Yeah. Big statement Oops, plant. there goes another rubber tree plant. That's from High Hopes. It's well before your time. Now, Nigel may, may I make a recommendation? Please. As to, if you are new to this plant scene, uh, consider, as you, as you look through what Bloomscape has to offer, consider the silver pothos, which has a beautiful coloring to it and is one of the easier plants to care for and also gives you the chance to propagate so you can give some plant gifts. You're not worried about, does this come with a node as you order something online? You know oh, what you're getting. Yeah. Bloomscape's bloom kits are completely customizable. Mix and match sizes and colors, and since no two plants are alike, Bloomscape makes it easy to filter plants by how much light or attention they will need. You can get 15% off plant orders of $100 with the promo code TONYK at bloomscape.com. That's 15% off plant orders of $100 or more at bloomscape, B-L-O-O-M-S-C-A-P-E.com, and the promo code is TONYK, and as always, use the code, people. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Again, this is Scott Labby. Um, he has included songs from Halo Project, which he worked on for years. They're available on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you download music. This is called Billy. I don't need a key to pronouncing it. And he writes, <laughs> hope you're enjoying your Anchorage boots and definitely... Take Ross up on his offer for sandals when the DC heat kicks in this spring. If you want to hear these songs in their entirety without me talking over them, you can do that at the end of the podcast. And Michael, tell the people who want to send in original music how to do it. Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. So Jeannie and Chris are with us now, and we're going to do news. I just need to read this first from Corey in Detroit, which goes, Over the years, listening to Chris on your show, Talk about oh, the Loomis Chafee School for the Rich and him driving a Tesla and his kids going to private school makes me shake my head. I always laugh because it's Chris and I just figure you have to accept him for who he is. Today that changed. I subscribe to his The Point email every day. And at the bottom of today's email, he has this little nugget. And it's a musical interlude. And it says, Chris is a big fan of Icelandic composer Olafur Arnalds. Arnalds' 2020 release, Some Kind of Peace, made Chris's list of best albums of the year. And Corey writes, how more pretentious can you get publicly claiming you're a big fan of an Icelandic composer? I'll bet Olafur in his spare time is a volcanologist. I almost feel like we should change telling Chris to eat it and instead hope he chokes on it, whatever it is. Yeah, that, I'm insufferable. Everybody knows that. <laughs> that's my thing. It just makes me so happy. It's kind of, that's kind of my, that's kind of my corner. I miss Chris. It just Thank you, Jean. That's one. I, you know why I miss you, Chris? Because <laughs> you know how to gossip. It's a rare man oh, yeah. who knows gossip, and you know how to gossip. I, I, I traffic and gossip. That's my job. How many Icelandic composers' work are you familiar with? Okay, interestingly enough, Tone, I appreciate you asking me about that because there is another Icelandic composer who died about two years ago who composed no. scores to... Um, what was that movie with Michelle? No, it wasn't Michelle Pfeiffer. The one from another plant. She's like a, she's like a planetologist or something. I think Matthew McConaughey's in it. He composed no, the score to that. It. He composed the score to all this beautiful music. So two, but only one living Icelandic composer. And some kind of piece is actually a very beautiful album. I am not a calm person by nature. I need my calm brought from uh, external sources, and this is how I do it. 
And also, I just like being a pretentious jerk. I would just say that external sources are one thing, but going 5,000 miles to get them is a long way. Anyway, Nigel, you have news. I do indeed, Mr. Tony, and I just would like to start off by saying this newscast is brought to us by the Loomis Chafee School for the Extremely Rich. <laughs> Ask about our new platinum package. So we've got that. Can I just, before you go into that, Nigel, I just wanted to note that the Loomis Chafee School undoubtedly stands firmly opposed to Elizabeth Warren's super millionaires tax. Hitting them where they live. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so there's a new vaccination distribution plan that's going to take place here in the District of Columbia starting next week. It's meant to alleviate the frustration of a scramble each time new appointments are open. They sort of there'll be like 4,500 slots available, and it's sort of like remember when you used to try and buy tickets on Ticketmaster, you would call up, and when five and it five crashes, minutes, yeah, crashes. everything will be gone and it crashes. So now what they're going to do is they're going to try and have they're going to have everyone pre-register. And then when it's your turn, they will call email you. you yeah, they'll say, all right, now okay. it's your turn. And they're also supposed to have a bunch of bigger distribution centers in uh, drugstores, I, I, I suppose CVS, Walgreens, things like that, and Safeway perhaps, or Giant with their pharmacies there, uh, where there'll be these larger distribution areas so that they can hopefully kick this thing in overdrive and get uh, many more people vaccinated here in D.C. Now we still have to go through the capture. I, What's I'm that? Not, gosh, I am not, I am not a robot. How many, yeah. squ how many squares contain a traffic signal? It's so, I don't know it's so what you're confusing. What, what are you what talking so, about? What they're talking about is what when you, when you Carol, log on to one of these Bob's sites. shaking your head because that was the biggest hurdle you guys faced. No, I don't know how to use the computer. So anyway, <laughs> but so Jeannie and I are lucky. It's the one thing we're lucky about that we're old. So we qualified for this pretty near the top of the line. You've had your shots. How has your life changed? My life has not changed one iota. Yeah. I mean, I still don't feel like I understand completely what's going on and what other problems may arise from these variants, from, from everything. And I have to say, I don't understand why any vaccine distribution system wasn't organized six months ago. It's not mm -hmm. like they didn't know this would happen one day. Oh, I totally agree with that. Um, and I agree with the first part of it as well. I'm, I'm wearing my mask. I'm doing, I'm isolating myself. I'm doing the things that I did um, before. I am not, I'm not willing to dive into a restaurant, you know, and eat indoors and spend two hours. I'm, I'm just, no, I get nervous in, crowds you know I, gene you yeah. probably feel the same way right i feel a little safer in the grocery store where i always wear a mask and now two masks but i feel right. a little more adventurous in a grocery store i don't like dart in and dart out you know five minutes later but right. i would say that's the only change in my life and you know i wonder tony i mean i love restaurants you love restaurants but yes it's it's now no longer part of our life. And I wonder how likely it is that we're going to reincorporate it into our lives when we finally do feel safe. I've thought about that. I've had conversations with people I know who say, let's go to dinner. And I go, no, I mean, no, I, I just don't want to do that. And I can't, I look at the um, footage from Texas 
And I go, you got to be kidding. You just can't be doing this. You can't sit, you know, elbow to elbow at bars like you can't do it. And they're doing it and they're doing it. So I don't know. I can't tell. I, can I tell you a story from Texas? This will this stun. Yeah, my my yeah. my sister-in-law, all of my wife's family lives in Texas. My sister-in-law and brother-in-law live in Abilene and they got a call yesterday from, I, I, you know, maybe it's Walgreens or CVS, one of the pharmacies um, that said, do you want to, uh, we have appointments available. You had signaled some interest, you know, do you want to take the vaccine? Wow. Uh, and they said, they said, yes, they're, tw- they're in their 20s. Okay. They said, yes. The woman who had called them, I'm not sure if she was a nurse or not, but the woman who had called them said that they had called 400 people and that day and they were the 19th people and 20th people who said they wanted to take the vaccine, which to me is, I mean, I'm literally refreshing the Virginia Department of Health website every day. Put it in my arm. If if I had to drive to Roanoke this morning, which is, you know, five, six hours away, I would do it. I mean, put it in my arm today, but it shows you that like I find the whole Texas mask mandate thing totally mind boggling, but there is a mentality there. And, you know, I think Donald Trump has something to do with it, but people are even skeptical about the vaccine. I mean, think about that. 20th person out of 400 calls who'd be willing to do it. I mean, in this area, I assume, certainly around where I live, there'd be very few people who would turn that call down. It's just amazing. Okay, Nigel, what else do we have? By the way, we all wish the District of Columbia good luck in in being able to give out the vaccine and not have the computers crash and all that other stuff. Go ahead. What else? Uh, to the Washington football team, Mr. Tony. It appears as if the uh, the group of cheerleaders, I guess at one point were known as the first ladies of football. I guess that was one of the nicknames. Really? Really? Uh, what I read in the comments. I don't remember that. <clears throat> no, neither okay. do I. Go ahead. <laughs> right. Uh, well, the, the cheerleading squad is no more, and it will be replaced with a co-ed dance squad uh, that this they are putting just... together. Petra so Pope, terrible. a three-decade veteran of the NBA cheerleading programs, is going to lead this new squad, uh, and she hopes it will be more athletic and serve as a model for the league as a whole. I'm going to get out of the way on this and let Jeannie and Chris talk after I just say this. I have never understood why there are cheerleaders in any professional sports. I've never understood yeah. it at all, and I don't think they add to anything, you know, the reason you go to see the games and now to replace them with a co-ed dance team, I don't even un- I don't understand that either. Gene, do you understand this? Am I crazy? Well, I would say that in my cynicism, I could not have been more wrong about this, that I was sure that the Washington football team would bring back scantily clad women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that, it's like, I don't get the cheerleaders. You don't get the cheerleaders. No, but I don't. there's lots of people who do. I mean, think of the people yeah. who have the Dallas... Cowboy cheerleaders' calendars on their desks every year, you know? Mm. So, I, again, in my cynicism, I, I'm glad that they're doing something co-ed and it isn't, doesn't appear to be sleazy. But in my cynicism, I also think this was just a way to sort of shuffle off those bothersome cheerleaders yeah. who were suing them and, you know, do something that's very sort of generic and correct. Chris? Yeah, I mean, this is done. If they don't have the stories in the Washington Post involving leadership and prominent members yeah. of the WFT 
interacting in inappropriate ways with the cheerleaders, the the football team still has cheerleaders, right? I and mean, this this is not a an act of altruism based on their belief that it's a sexist trope that needs to go the way of the dodo, right? I mean, this is this is they are doing this as a public relations move amid a series of extremely negative stories that make them look like cretins, you know, that make them look really, really bad. So no, I mean, I never understood it at all. Uh, I think there's obviously room for cheer, which is like, you know, very athletic and acrobatic. And, you know, that's what it's moved to as far as I can tell Um, the kind of standing in the corner of the end zone piece of it. It seems to me to Jamie's point, there's a, there's an obvious reason for it. Uh, because dudes at football games, uh, uh, or at least they think dudes at football games want to look at scantily clad women. Uh, yeah, but that's that, but I'm, that's such a small part of it. It's mostly the hey for this extra buy and have so and so dancer right. you visit your them. suite yes. in the third yeah. quarter so you no, can I take just, a photo. I just which I don't is the get same it. All right, thing, just in smaller a smaller <sighs> setting, which is not great. What else? What else? The, the NFL is working on some new broadcasting deals, uh, completing contracts with CBS, Fox, NBC, and the Disney-owned ESPN, ABC, and also negotiating yeah. a streaming deal with Amazon that could include some Thursday night games that would not be carried on national TV. As I understand, it would probably just be carried uh, in those local markets, whatever teams would be playing. And I also think that once this these TV and streaming deals are done, that will be the final step for the NFL to put its 17-game regular season into effect beginning this coming fall. Yeah, I don't understand 17. It's a stupid number. I understand 14, 16, and 18. I don't understand 17. Streaming makes all the sense in the world. The company I work for, that's all they want to do is put things on ESPN+. And the NFL is trying to double the amount of money that they're getting. And if Amazon is one of the bidders, they will. They yeah. will, right? Right, Chris? I more, mean, won't they get all games. the money they want? Yeah, more. Oh, they'll get, yeah. I mean, more games equals more money. I mean, I, I, I'm yeah. surprised they didn't yeah. try to do 18. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. I, I was only surprised that they didn't try to go further and then and then scale back in negotiations with the players' union. You know what I mean? Like, th- this, this feels more incremental than I thought. I mean, this is the worst kept secret that the owners want to make the season longer because they want to make more money. It's I, I, I texted you. Well, I'm, I'm good with that. Donald I like Meyer watching thing. football. Yeah, but I like Donald watching Meyer football. Thing. So good. Yes, it's that's right. It's about money, period. Yeah. But isn't the 17 game just a, a, a setup for 18? I mean, 18 is just around yes. the corner, right? Yes. Well, then just think. go to yeah. 18. Just go to 18. What's the difference? And What's then, the difference? Well, then won't the players want to have larger rosters? More money. Yes, and they should, because yeah, people get yeah. hurt. Yes, right. all of that should happen. Yeah. Let me just let me just say this: There's nothing worse in the job that I do on television when football ends. There's nothing worse than that. <laughs> it's so depressing yes. because everybody watches football and everybody doesn't watch the other stuff. They don't. Well, Tony, you do. Everybody have to, watches to, football. Soccer is almost a year-round thing now. So again, I've made this offer to you a number of times for me to come on and be the soccer. soccer correspondent. I soccer. don't know why you don't respond to my emails. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's Do you have a uh, do you have a crazy Florida story I hope? Give us that. I do I do indeed, Mr. Tony. We'll tell you the story about Joseph Davis, age 48. Now this story is a, a few weeks old, but we've been the the Kornheiser right. investigative team has been working to try and verify all this. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Now, Joe Brown uh, was dating a girlfriend, uh, a girl uh, since 2015 who lived in Orange City. Um, then one day, several weeks ago, she noticed that some rings of hers were missing. So she started to do some sleuthing, and she ended up on the uh, Facebook, and she was looking at her boyfriend, Joseph Davis' Facebook page. And she saw him with another girl. And apparently that girl was sporting the rings that she was missing. Ooh. It turns out Ooh. that Joseph Davis had been dating another woman since 2016 who lived in uh, Orlando. And so the woman contacted that woman and said, I think those rings are mine. Then that second girlfriend said, and you know what? I'm missing some things as well. Turns out Joe Davis was dating both these women and ripping them off blind. But I guess, you know, his perfect crime of, I'll just use the rings from my first girlfriend to propose to my second girlfriend didn't quite work out the way he wanted it to. Well, but it could have worked out if he wasn't so stupid to go on <laughs> Facebook. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. It's a, it seems to me he's just doing a little bit of re-gifting. I've never, I don't see any problem with that. It seems I mean, totally within the bounds. No one suspected these women didn't. I don't understand. I can... I'm a I'm a mediocre husband to my one wife. Like, I, I don't understand. I don't understand people who have two girlfriends or two fiancés. How could you possibly like the deception involved? I'm I'm far too lazy for that. <laughs> yes, well, the that was that have... but but that's the most famous incident is Charles Kuralt. Yes, Charles I was about to say. Yes. Yeah, Charles Kuralt. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Gene, do you remember that when Charles Kuralt died? Yep. Shocking because he was this charming, avuncular television yes. personality. Yes. It was only late in life, or even after he died, Tony, I don't remember, where we learned that he had like one family on the East Coast and one family in the Southwest or something like that. <laughs> I thought it was after he, had he died. Two, he had two wild. families. That's why he was on the road. He had two <laughs> different families. How could that be? This show was very appropriately named. We just didn't realize it until after his passing. <laughs> wow. Unbelievable. It's just, it's, it is. It's unbelievable. All right. Thanks, everybody. That was lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Happy bye. Weekend, All right. Bye. That was good, Michael. We like that. We'll take a break. Um, we will come back with email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. I already told you about how Liz and I finished a project for our little walkout garage where we yes. keep the strollers, yeah. storage, yeah. everything you need to know about where we've been the last year is the fact that we're so excited about storage. But Sunday wants you to know spring is just around the corner, and that means it's time to get the lawn back on track. Sunday isn't just another lawn care project. It's a customized lawn plan that works with nature. I just went to Sunday.com, put in my home address, and their free lawn analysis tool took care of the rest all in just seconds. And in just those few seconds, it reminded me that my lawn is, again, roughly half the size of one regulation tennis court. We're not even talking about doubles lanes here. Right. Just right, singles. Right. Uh, Sunday uses soil and climate data to create a tailored nutrient plan so you'll get all the stuff your lawn needs and nothing it doesn't. So you can avoid what I did when I first in moved into the house where I gave it some stuff it didn't need that I'm I got from an unnamed store that caused some burn that lasted for a full season Don't or two. Don't want that. Uh, they actually also sent the... a. a a soil analysis kit that you could send back to them so they could make the program even more tailored for what your grass needs. 
Sunday is made That's with... That's sort of like Cola Guard for, um, for lawns. Yeah, I wasn't going to go there. But I just yes, thought of that. Based on yeah. what I sent back, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday is made with ingredients that you can actually pronounce, like seaweed, iron, and molasses, so you can grow better... Molasses? In... Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so th- when the hammer is on all fours eating the grass like it's the okay. cow that he thinks he is, it's okay. I can feel a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. Sunday explains exactly what you get and why, and everything is waiting at your door when you need it. They even give you a timeline as to when you should do your first application and then how long you should wait until your second go with it. All I have to do is attach the ready-to-use pouch to a garden hose and spray, and this is my favorite part. I get to pretend that I'm the fireman as I douse the lawn with the appropriate nutrients. That's wonderful. Lawn care used to take up my whole day. Now it takes less than 15 minutes. Best of all, it really works. My grass looks better than ever. And again, all about making your neighbors jealous before I get this house ready to list. Let Sunday... <laughs> Ooh, big announcement, Dad. Big announcement. Let Sunday take the guesswork out of growing a greener, more beautiful lawn this spring. Get, visit GetSunday.com slash Tony to get $20 off your custom lawn plan at checkout. That's $20 off your custom plan at GetSunday.com slash Tony. What a 24 hours for me finding out that Michael knew about the chair and now he's selling his house. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's go. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag Got your emails, faxes, and some notes Here comes Tony's mailbag Gonna read some for all of you folks It is Joe Arrow singing, John Nicewinger playing the piano. It's lovely. Nigel, how about the Bethesda Bagel ad? We love Bethesda bagels. You will as well. We've got the bagel sandwiches again today. Always makes yes. us very happy. Uh, yes. all, all you need to do is Feeds go to Feeds me Bethesda- all weekend long. Yes. yes. <laughs> Bethesdabagels.com uh, for the location of the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. All right. That does a, just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say I saw a werewolf drinking a pina colada at Trader Vic's. His hair was perfect. <laughs> Warren Zevon, thank you. Thanks to our guests today, Ann Hornaday, Jeannie McManus, Chris Eliza. Thanks to our sponsors, FitBod, Bloomscape, Sunday, Michelob Ultra Pure Gold. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, GooglePlayRadio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. This is from Joe Greer. Says, the story from Steve Sands reminded me of a true Mr. Tony type story. My father, one Sunday morning over brunch, announced to the family, eight children, one on the way, his bride and the family dog, golden retriever Rusty, a lean 100, that the upcoming year was going to be the year of cutting back. One glass of milk per child per meal in an attempt to cut the 22 half gallons of milk delivered on Wednesdays and the 13 half gallons delivered on Saturday every single week. One glass of orange juice per child at breakfast, trying to reduce the two large frozen concentrate Minute Maid orange juice containers used every single day. With that, he announced he had to go to his office and was going to work Sundays to pay for all of our and his excesses. My then 16-year-old brother, Jim, asked to back the Ford Country Squire wagon out of the single-lane double garage lengthwise so my father could get his Ford Galaxy 500 out. 
Off Jim went. Next sound was a terrific roar of metal, wood, wallboard, and engine. Jim had backed out of the garage, taking the entire outside wall, garage door track, and drywall with him. When the remaining nine humans and one dog reached the garage door, there was Jim, talking fast with no sound emanating from his mouth, gesturing madly at the rubble, dented car, smoking engine. My father turned white, retreated to his favorite chair, head in hands, and silent. He was the head of Etna Life and Casualty in Buffalo, New York at the time. How to explain this to his underwriters. My mother, she of 84 months of total pregnancy in her life, started the dishes. Then loud enough for all of us to hear, she demurred. I wonder how many glasses of orange juice that's going to cost. Followed closely by, I am surprised the milkman in Murray's liquor store delivery haven't crashed into that before. Sarcasm. It's nurture, not nature. Joe Greer from Annapolis. It's just a lovely, lovely story. Sansa's kid. All his kids hit the house. Steve Ryan. He still has to change the house color. Right, tan, still tan. <laughs> Steve Ryan, Chattanooga, Tennessee. It was interesting that Mr. Sands mentioned that you had two offspring who were licensed drivers. Then he humble brags that all three of his offspring had hit the immovable house. What do these three drivers have in common besides hitting the tan house? I can only guess that Mr. Sands is connective tissue. Since he also makes TV money, does he train these demolition drivers himself or does he hire a pro? I've never been a reporter, but these are the questions that come to mind. What say you? From Sean Fields, I've been listening for over a decade. I've never, ever laughed harder than when Sansy ended his interview with <laughs> Don't Hit the House, an all-time great moment. From Kevin Burke in Chicago, first off, bravo on making the Peter Asher call happen. May I offer a suggestion that you name the shirt you were wearing for this triumphant moment, the celeb phone call shirt. <laughs> Said shirt can be a magic talisman, just like the flying shirt. You can even wear it soon when you ring Louise Gluck to talk about poetry. Second, as I am only 40 years old, not 71 like Cindy Boren, the story you relate about Mr. Asher attending Ali versus Frazier got me curious about the hype, the fight and the hype around it. Via the Google machine, not only did I find out that James Taylor did indeed trade a booking of Madison Square Garden for ringside tickets, but also in attendance were Miles Davis, Bob Dylan, Gene Kelly, Leroy Neiman, Burt Lancaster, Hugh Hefner, Dustin Hoffman, Diane Keaton, Ted Kennedy, Hubert Humphrey, and two guys maybe we shouldn't mention these days, Bill Cosby and Woody Allen. But even better than that list, according to the articles I found on the fight, Frank Sinatra was keen to get a ringside seat for the fight, but few were available. Multiple reports had it that Frank made a deal with Life magazine to do some photography for the magazine at the Ali Frazier fight in exchange for the tickets. That's true. Everybody yeah. knew that at the time. That's absolutely true. From Kaya File, as someone who was born and raised in LaVale, a suburb of Cumberland, imagine my surprise when I heard you talking about the gem that is Rocky Gap on your podcast. As a girl, I spent many summers swimming at Lake Habib, and the fall colors at Rocky Gap State Park are breathtaking. It may seem like a bit of a hike from the city, but it's worth it. If you happen to make it all the way out to Cumberland, you should try Datry's Restaurant. The cheesesteak sub is phenomenal. And by the way, you're right. Whenever I'm from Maryland, people ask, oh, like Baltimore, and my response is always the same. No, think of West Virginia, and you'll be spot on. Written as my husband makes grilled cheese with mayo. From Jennifer uh Kanathori, I hope I pronounced that correctly, dear Mr. Tony. As a loyal little, I never quite understood your disdain for Subaru drivers until this weekend. 
I had a car issue, so I took it to my trusted mechanic. Shout out to Dan and Justin of Vehicle Maintenance. As I was waiting, this guy walks in, doesn't take off his sunglasses, and waits at the desk. He tries to engage me in conversation. As he goes on, the more obnoxious, snobby, and arrogant he becomes. I said to myself, what is wrong with this guy? And then he says, that's my Subaru out there. It's a sports model. (laughs) I understand now, Tony. You're completely right. Michael, if you buy a Subaru, you may as well get a governess for the boys. Put on your (laughs) medium shirt and carpool with Saliza and his Tesla to get Peloton swagger. From Wayne Rumsby, heard the shout out last week about KO Distilling. Thank you for the mention. I'm available to deliver the whiskey next week. Give me a time and a place and I'll make it happen. Can't have Woodford and Angels Envy be the only distillery spoiling you, which is very, very nice. And this is a very long one, but I would like to take the time to read it if nobody minds. Okay. Um, (laughs) This is from uh, Clyde Parsons. And he writes, old-time sports reporters viewer, the original PTI viewer, and very recent podcast listener. Don't know if that makes me a little, which is a very confusing term or not. I've watched PTI in Australia, and when hiking from Georgia to Maine, worked diligently to make it into towns early enough to watch when possible. But about Red Smith, I thought I would use you as my confessor. Once upon a time, I was the PR intern for the Atlanta Falcons. I was basically a grunt around training camp and game day in the press box. Occasionally, I took cut players to the airport, which led tight end Jim Mitchell to dub me Little Turk. I graduated from college in 1980, hoping to join the Falcons front office. But the Smiths said, and they owned it at the time, Rankin Smith, said expanding the PR department after a losing season would be bad PR. So I went into the business world, and I worked for the Falcons on game days. In 1980, the Bartkowski-led team won the old NFC West and home field advantage throughout their short-lived playoff run. The Cowboys came from 10 points down with three or four minutes left to break our hearts. What does this have to do with Red Smith, you say? I'm getting there. This was one of those playoff weekends with double headers on Saturday and Sunday. So I was tasked from manning a hospitality suite on Saturday for members of the media who came in a day early for the game. The suite was at the old Marriott Hotel. Media members came to the suite to socialize, watch the game, pick up game notes, and drink free booze. The most important part of these activities, of course, was drinking the free booze. Two of my friends and I played bartender and cleaned up around the guests. Think of the Sopranos poker game, only with as many as 30 reporters around at any one time. I may have served you a drink. You may have. After 6 p.m., the second game was winding down and most reporters headed out. I remember senior execs from the Cowboys and Falcons were there with the CBS folks, including Pat Summerall and Tom Brookshire. Also there were Furman Bisher and Blackie Sherratt. All were readying to leave when in walked a little, unassuming old man. All those present respectively nodded their respect. I knew enough to know this was the great Red Smith. He reminded me of Tim Conway doing his little old man bit from the Carol Burnett skits. As others were leaving, my boss came to me and said, keep Mr. Smith happy. Blackie Sherrod hung around for about a half hour asking Red about past sporting events and athletes. My friends and I were fascinated by his stories. Blackie left and Red wanted booze, cigarettes, and a steak. It's so great. And a steak. (laughs) After one of my friends and Red finished, my friend smokes. Red sent him down for more. We ordered room service steaks and kept the booze coming. Um, he was spent two or three hours drinking, smoking, and taking our requests. Ted Williams, Joe DiMaggio, Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano, Newt Rockney, Vince Lombardi. He had a story on anyone we could think of. It was only later that we realized he was in failing health, and this was one of his last road trips. The steaks, the smokes, the booze were probably not what his doctor would have prescribed. It took a little over a year for that night to catch up with Red, but I think he enjoyed that evening as much as we did. Mr. Tony, please forgive me. Who goes on a road trip in failing health? 
Red Smith is one of the greatest writers of all time. It was my pleasure and honor to know him, to literally carry his typewriter, to literally, when he was smoking in a restaurant and people came in and disapproved, I smoked the rest of his cigarettes. <laughs> he always smoked Marlboro Reds. I remember this distinctly. I once wrote a story in which I said there would be no greater honor than if Red Smith were to die in a press box and he would get to the end of a column before he died if I could type the final period. That's how much I loved Red Smith. That's how much I loved Shirley Povich. I love this story. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. You know, they all get involved, and they all got their gear already, and so they're going to be all colored up in, uh, in the maroon and black and yellow. You're an idiot. <laughs> Why do you 
carved in the stone as Billy went riding one. 